I think I think having things in your tool belt, that's what I call it, makes you a little bit more of a commodity. So you may not necessarily have to go through like a whole program, but at least pair up with a trainer and say, hey, can I come observe your classes or take classes? Learn some little tricks to help you out for when you're on a dog walk. I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Dog training skills and just general animal handling. That might be something that we think we know pretty well. Or maybe we've been at this for a long time, so we don't think we need to go back and reassess those skills. But what about if we could use this time that we have, reassess where we actually are, maybe learn some new things along the way? Today, Kar Schnitzer, chair of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers and dog trainer herself out in Shawnee, Oklahoma, joins us to break down some things we can be working on right now, even though we're not surrounded by dogs, the importance of these kind of skills, and gives us some resources that we can all use to become better pet care professionals. So I'm Cara Schutzner. I own a dog training facility in Shawnee, Oklahoma, a little small town, and I'm also chair of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers. I have lots of rescue dogs. I run a cadaver dog for law enforcement. So um, yeah, so I do a lot of interesting stuff. My big thing is I love scent work. So nose work is a big thing for me. And right now during the COVID crisis, my facility is deemed essential, but I'm not allowed to teach because we sell dog food. Mm. So um, I've had to learn how to shift my training from hands-on, face-to-face to to Zoom or (laughs) Google Duo or Facebook Live, (laughs) yeah, which is kind of interesting because I live in Oklahoma. And half of my clients barely have cell phone service or internet connection. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's been yeah. really challenging trying to make that, yeah. that switch. And, and we lived in Argentina for a while. And I'm like, third world countries have better internet than <laughs> places in the U.S. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Association of Professional Dog Trainers have a lot of good resources for dog owners. And if pet sitters want to become dog trainers, there's some good resources on there. Um, I would say, um, cause we have, I mean, I've met a lot of pet sitters and I really like them because that way the dog is at home and not at a facility. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I think one thing that they could be working on is door dashing, you know, like when mm-hmm. you get the leash and the dog is like crazy cause it's ready to go on a walk and they charge out of the door. Mm-hmm. That's something that everyone can work on while they're at home. Um, so the dog's not charging out of a door because that could be a really scary thing for owners and pet sitters if you're not prepared or something happens and the dog just runs out of the door. So um, that's something that they could be working on. Another thing that people could work on is a place. So um, if your dog has a mat or I've seen a Labrador with a handkerchief, they go to the handkerchief and they do a down or a sit or just a little place for them ch- to chillax at is what I like to call it, the chillax spot. <laughs> so, um, and um, right now my dogs are all doing that right now. They're all snoring. <laughs> so, uh, but that's a good thing to work on um, right now while you're at home, especially if you're doing a lot of webinars and your dog is like coming up to you and getting screen time. Um, 
if they if you tell them to go to their mat and you reward them for being on their mat with their dog kibble or treats or whatever you want to give them then that mat and that place becomes like their little zen zone Hmm. i I'm, i'm curious you mentioned that you run a cadaver dog how did you get involved in that and where did that come from um, it started back in 2010 and I was actually helping a student that had a dog that had dog to dog reactivity. And I had a little rescue Labrador that came in. And so she put some stuff out, some sources and he liked them. So we started training him and then he washed out after, um, we got him neutered. So, um, then I got my second dog. And so it's been something I've always liked to do because I, my, my passion is to help victims and families to have that closure. So um, I do a lot of cold cases or homicide, mostly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's really that's really fascinating. And I'm, I'm you know the amount of um, impact you can have on people with that simple act of of just being there and 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 looking for a loved one. I'm sure that that is just life changing. Yeah, and it's it's you know we don't get our name in the newspaper usually right. <laughs> They'll say like we brought a dog out I'm like oh that was my sir you know because I can't talk about him usually but yeah. it is it gives you some closure you know and people always ask me um I, this is my first I don't want to say purchase dog but it was my first dog from a breeder um and I had a big hard time having issues by buying a dog from a breeder but there are good breeders out there just because I had rescue dogs most of my life and um he really loves it because if you make it into a joy, then they don't get depressed when they don't find stuff or when they do find stuff. So, um, yeah. Now, you touched on a little bit about how your facility was deemed essential because you sell dog food. I'm really interested because you've got a pretty cool facility in a pretty neat place. Could you tell us about the history of where you are? Yeah, so I um, I got my dog training start in Chicago, and then I moved back to Oklahoma to be closer to family, which is kind of nice now that we're in a pandemic. <laughs> but I I got a place downtown in this small little town and I wanted a facility where we could educate people and do community events because I think everyone who has a pet loves their pet, right? Mm-hmm. So they may not be able to afford things. So we do uh, quarterly free classes for people to come in and get some training help and advice for free and to see the facility. So we didn't know what we were going to do with it because the city was like, I don't know what to do with a dog trainer. So they made us sell retail training and grooming. Like they literally opened up this old book where the pages were like falling apart, trying to figure out what to zone me in. <laughs> so, uh, so we've been in there for seven years. We actually expanded this year um, and doubled our square footage. And then we got COVID-19. So that was kind of interesting. And we, you know, being in, I would say a downtown area of a small town is very rough, especially around this time of the year for, you know, because you have a lot of big box stores. It's rough for everyone, but the community has really come in and stepped out and supported each other. I think we see all this social distancing, but we see a lot of support for each other too that's going on. Like today, we actually went to do therapy dogs at the windows of nursing homes today. Oh my goodness. So we couldn't go in. So we went to the outside windows and just the joy on the dogs and the handlers and the people in the window. It was just, it was worth it. Like worth every moment of that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that you, you you touched, you mentioned of we're being told stay apart, but the community has just really rallied and come together in 
socially respect, you know, distant, <laughs> distant, respect, respectful ways. Um, but that's, that's really special that you've been able to be a part of that too, for where you guys are. Yeah. And I mean, like they invited us back. We waited about two or three weeks once our state kind of did the mandated closings because we didn't, we wanted to give some time to settle. You know, you have this, I don't want to say mourning period, but like probably like this, oh my God, what's going on period. <laughs> so, yeah. As pet sitters, I, I know um, we, we opened up a little bit about this, but um, what kind of options do they have to, to learn maybe online uh, right now for some dog training, dog handling skills? Um, what kind of courses or certifications are out there? Um, so like I said earlier, um, if you get an APDT as website, they actually have stuff for if you want to be a dog trainer or dog owner. So they give you some tips to do on there. Okay. Um, Trevor Smith has the dog dojo and he has a YouTube channel, which is really great for some trips and stuff to work on. So most pet sitters probably have their own pets anyway. Yeah. So they could do this at their house. So it's kind of a good little tip to work on with that. I think a big thing that's going to happen when people go back into work is you're going to see some separation anxiety um, mm. issues with dogs because they've been home with their people and then they leave again and it's gonna you're gonna have some maybe destruction behaviors coming on so I would look for like interactive toys for the owners or pet sitters that are going to be there like what we talked about with the impulse control with the mat placing I would also look for maybe some separation anxiety people which you can look on um uh, certification and professional dog trainers website for uh, behavioral consultants with that. They have a certification for separation anxiety trainers online. I think it's CSAT. And then um, IABC has some places for that too, because you might see some dogs that are showing some signs of stress um, once their owners go back. On that, other than the interactive toys, what kind of things should they be watchful of or be communicating with the owners right now uh, to get ahead of that? I think right now they need to be communicating with their owners, especially their clients. Like if you're going to be home all day, why don't you just go out the front door and sit on the porch for five or 10 minutes? And when the dog is quiet, come back in. Don't make a big deal of your entry when you come back in. Just be like, hey, you know, I'm back. Um because, you know, they're probably, the dogs are following you most of the places <laughs> or they're running away because you've taken them on so many walks. Right. <laughs> but um, definitely doing that, even if they're not going to go out, if they have a garage, just go out the garage door, get in their car, back out of the garage, sit there, listen to radio stations for like 10 or 15 minutes and then come back in. Um, because we have all been out of our normal routine. So it's just getting them used to going back out for the longer periods of time. So. Right. No, that's, a, that's a good, just taking those small baby steps back into this so that whenever they do go back to work, it's not as big of a deal um, instead of just going, you know, cold, cold Turkey back into the whole thing. <laughs> and one thing we probably all can do is just put on your work clothes and grab your car keys and oh, sit yeah. down. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, start, start setting those signals of, Hey, yeah, you know, start we, setting we, those we, signals. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we tell, you know, a lot of us are trying to still work from home and do those things. So we, we're trying to stick to our routines, but more importantly, continuing to communicate those unspoken verbal communicative cues to your pets so that, Hey, remember this, this is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't new. <laughs> yeah. I have to brush my teeth and make my coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, this, this is kind of a, a simple question, but I know this comes up and I see this a lot in the pet store community of, of 
do I need to go through this kind of training? Do I need to go through training to become a trainer, even if I'm not going to offer those services? What kind of benefit does that give me? I think I think having things in your tool belt, that's what I call it, makes you a little bit more of a commodity. So you may not necessarily have to go through like a whole program, but at least pair up with a trainer and say, hey, can I come observe your classes or take classes? Learn some little tricks to help you out for when you're on a dog walk. Um, one thing that I think is very simple that anyone can do is do a touch with their dog, a hand target. And you can Google that or whatever. You put a treat in your hand and the dog touches your hand. You say, guess the puppy, reward them. And you can actually teach the dog left or right. So mm -hmm. when you're out walking, if the dog gets focused on something, instead of calling their name, because sometimes we're like, oh man, I really have to stare at that squirrel. That squirrel's going to come get me, right? <laughs> you can stick your hand down and do a touch and it's a redirection and right. they can target, you know, it kind of disconnects that impulse thing. So there, there's a couple of things that I think pet sitters should be able to do. Um, because you know, the dog, anytime you're with an animal, dog, cat, horse, chicken, and you're, you're in that intimate setting, somebody is training somebody. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, you go out with my barn cats and they see you near the, the cat food, they're going to start whining. Cause they're going to be like, yeah, we know you're going to feed us. Yeah. So, I mean, like having some sort of training tools in your belt as a pet sitter, I think is a good thing to have. Sure. Just because it, you mentioned it's in your tool belt, it builds your confidence. It adds to your resume and even in your skill set. And even if you never intend to offer training services, it just makes you a more uh, educated, competent, you know, pet care professional in the long run. And, and the thing about training too, is every dog is an individual. So like um, what may work for I have a multiple dog household of five dogs and what may work for one of them will not work for the other one. And one may like carrots and the other one will sell his soil to the devil for an orange. I mean, <laughs> you have to figure out what works for the dog and what the dog likes. So, um, and I think one thing as a pet sitter and a trainer and everything is we have patience and sometimes we forget about that. Because yeah. we have this expectation that everything should happen in real time. So maybe the social distancing thing is a good thing because everyone's had to slow down. So um, if you are watching a dog and they're kind of a little stressed or frustrated, just have some patience with them and just, you know, don't be forceful with them and stuff and let them work it out. So. I like that. And earlier you mentioned of a lot of us have pets at home that we can be using some of these Mm -hmm. skills and trying these out. I mean, is, is there a difference in, in how we should be interacting with our own pet versus maybe a client's pet or, or how do we kind of navigate that? <laughs> All my clients pets are interacting like my own pets, <laughs> except for <laughs> I do have a dog who um, doesn't like other dogs. This was after the neutering, you know, changed his yeah. personality. So his shut up word is euthanasia, but I don't say <laughs> that to my client's dogs. <laughs> so <laughs> it's pretty funny because if he's barking and I want him quiet, I yell euthanasia and he gets quiet and people are like appalled by this, but I think it's kind of funny. Um, I wouldn't say that to my client's dogs cause I don't know them. I might be like sure. quiet or something. Else. Sure. <laughs> but, but you really, I mean, I, if you're watching a dog, it's, it's your response. It's like your own, I don't want to say fur child, but they yeah. basically have an IQ of a three to seven year old. So that speaks mm -hmm. a different language. So you are watching, you know, another animal, intelligent animal. So having 
training in both of them and ask your client what they want. Like sometimes clients have different words than I use. And so like I use the touch and I have a client who uses like the fist bump. Like, so I have to be able to communicate that. I have another client who has a deaf dog. So that's totally the way we train than my dogs that aren't deaf. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> sure. Now it gets a little complicated if maybe a pet sitter doesn't have pets of their own that they can directly practice some of those skills with. So what kind of recommendations would you give to somebody who doesn't have pets readily available to work with? Shelter. Go to a shelter. Hey. <laughs> also, you can you can volunteer at a shelter. You can go walk dogs uh, at a shelter. My favorite place to watch dog people and interactions and there are some good and bad is sometimes I like to stalk people at dog parks because you can learn a lot about behavior and see things. And you can predict when a fight's going to occur sometimes based on dog behavior. Um, Basically observation skills are what you really need to have a lot of. So um, there's tons of videos online that you can watch different. Sue Sternberg has great videos of dog to dog play too. Uh, the dog guru has stuff. Uh, Pet Sitters International, I think, has some good stuff too. I mean, there's lots of videos of dog training. There's lots of bad videos of dog training. So um, a good trainer tries not to push the dog over threshold or invoke a bite. Mm. You know, it's kind of like if you're afraid of spiders, I don't know. Are you afraid of anything, Colin? Heights. <laughs> okay. So it would be like if you're afraid of heights and I wanted to train you. I would not take you to the Eiffel Tower <laughs> and train you because it's way over your threshold, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to build up to that. So there, there's a part of that. It, I, I equate it to like if I'm yelling at you in your face and stressing you out and asking you to do calculus, you're not going to be able to do it. Well, kind of follow-up question on that. You kind of got into a little bit of your dog training philosophy. You know, how, how would you describe how you work with dogs and, and, and how you go about training them? So dog training is not really about working with the dog. <laughs> yes, okay. It's more about working, <laughs> working with the communication with the dog and the human because yeah. um, the dog has been training the human for a long time. <laughs> sure. And it's working about how to read that communication. So I am a very much a reward positive trainer um i get in trouble sometimes because i do use the word no or you know there's different there's extremes on both sides of the continent but you have to have empathy for an animal i think and Mm. i'm very much into see what will my animal like is it rewarding for them i do a preference test with my dogs i make my clients do this i don't make them do it a hundred times but i'll put out like a hundred different types of food like three at a time and figure out which ones they like and rank them. Mm. I will do that with their toys. So like, like I said, I have a dog who sells his soul to the devil for oranges and he knows <laughs> when they're in season. And so like, that's his high value toy. So he hates being blown dry at the groomer. So guess what they give him an orange. Mm. Um, and the most time with training, he can, we can do play, we can do everything else, but you have to know what your dog likes and works for. Um, because it's like you, I mean, if you didn't get paid, for doing a good job, why would you do it? And right. it cracks me up because I do, I'm in a very rural area. So there's still the old school method of training, which, you know, is the leash and corrections and punishment base. 
And then you see this dog that when you call them, they're like, uh, I don't really want to come next to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So um, you have to figure out what they would pick, come for. Like what, mm. what do they like? And then a lot of times is ignore the bad behavior. Cause normally when you're watching a dog or let's say you're walking them and they're pulling or whatever, they get all the attention when they're doing something wrong yeah. and not any of the attention when they're doing something right. Right. So I, I tell people to practice this in life. So when somebody does something nice to you, just say, thank you and see how freaky people get with that because we don't do that anymore. We just, Oh, Oh, you know, Oh, but if it changes your way of looking at it, it helps you become a better communicator with the animal. No, it is. It is all about communication and working on that and being consistent. And, and, you know, you mentioned earlier of a good way to train right now, if you don't have dogs is just go to a dog park, go watch people, go watch how they interact with their dogs and start taking notes and just being observant about that. And then watch yourself whenever you're acting around dogs and your clients so that you can comment on that in a constructive way, but just so you can start picking up patterns um, as you start to see more things. And a lot of it is voice too, you know, like you were laughing because I say euthanasia. I mean, like it, it's how I say it too. Like yeah. it's a strong word, right? But if I say it in a funny tone, my dog's like, oh, I'm going to be quiet, but I'm going to wag my butt because I know she, you know, so yeah. our voice inflections and like our looks, all the dogs read all of that too. So. And for people who don't want to use food and training, I do have to say this. Okay. <laughs> it's like you're feeding the dog, right? Like you're giving them a food bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so why not use it in your training? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my that's my joke for because I get those people. They're like, I don't want to use food, and I'm like, Well, you're feeding them, right? <laughs> right. Now, please tell me you are feeding them, right? This is the thing we do. <laughs> or they have to go hunt the cows outside. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I I was wondering if there's anything else in closing that you would like to to tell pet sitters. Um, about things they can be working on, or maybe just a you know a, a, a positive, encouraging word for them right now during this kind of scary time, or anything else. I think pet sitters. I think you guys really need to um, do some good social marketing with your stuff sometimes because I know a lot of people are like their plans are got canceled, and you're probably nervous about what's my it going to look like when they come back. I think you guys are going to come back strong. I think people are wanting to get out and travel. And I would definitely brush up on some skills with door dashing, recall, leave it and sits, you know, any of the basics like that. And um, you guys will do fine. I love my pet sitters. So I wish there was more of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I love my boarding facilities too, but I I have old dogs and there's nothing like them being in their house when we're gone on vacation. Yeah. Well, no. Well, I really appreciate that. If I know we kind of just blitz through a lot of highlights and some focused questions, if people have more questions or want to follow up and get in touch with you, um, how, how is the best way for them to do that? They can um, go on the doggy spot website and the info at the, the doggy com. It actually goes to me. I know it goes to the owner. It's an info <laughs> but, uh, and it's a T H E D O G G I E spot.com. Or you can even email apdt.com and um, somebody will answer your questions about that. But um, you guys are going to be great. We'll make it through everything together and partner up with people, man. Reach out to your community. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. You too. In the weeks and months ahead, I know Megan and I are going to be turning some training attention back to our 12-year-old dachshund, Kobe. 
He has some impulse control and some definite door dashing issues that we've known for a while now, but just really haven't had the time to do some intentional focusing on that. I hope that you have the ability to do that and dig into some of the resources that she mentioned, and I will also make sure I include those in the show notes. We'd love to hear about how you are working on these kind of skills and working with your client during these times on those kind of needs for their dog. So shoot us an email at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com or give us a call 636-364-8260. We'll talk to you again soon.